You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, no one can serve two masters. Jesus is preaching to us today about the sin of worry And he begins the sermon by letting us know that he is talking about the heart, about what it is that you fear and what it is that you love and what it is that you trust above all things. This, after all, is really the definition of what it means to have a God, to have a a master, to worship something. Where is your confidence? What do you trust? Where do you look for all good. Now, this is the stuff of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. And what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. It should be God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who we trust. But Jesus warns us that other things are always trying to push into our heart to take the place of the true God. Now, this, by by definition, is idolatry. To fear and love and trust in anything more than God. And Jesus wants to warn us here about the number one contender for this place in your heart, money. No one can serve two masters, says Jesus, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus has a name for this false god, for this idol of money. He calls it mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, Luther is really helpful on this in the large catechism, and he tells us that, that mammon, or money, is the most common of all idols in the entire world. Here's what he says. Many think that he has a God and everything in abundance when he has money and possessions, and he trusts in them and boasts of them with such firmness and assurance as to care for no one. Look, such a man also has a God called mammon, money and possessions, on which he sets all his heart and which is also the most common idol in all the earth. He who has money and possessions feels secure, is joyful and undismayed as though he were sitting in the midst of paradise. And on the other hand, he who has none doubts and is despondent as though he knew of no God. For very few are to be found who are of good cheer and who neither mourn nor complain if they don't have money. This care and desire for money sticks and clings to our nature, even to the grave. So far, Luther. Now, this is a a tricky business for all of us, that we, we cling to the illusion that our safety and our security and our life itself and all of our happiness depends on our possessions. I heard, the, the, I heard a song the other day that was working this theology out, and the song was something like this. I know everyone says money can't buy happiness, the fellow sings, but it can buy me a boat. <laughs> now, this is pretty funny. At, at least it's funny if it's a joke. But maybe it's not a joke. I mean, there's a constant temptation for all of us to bind up things like our security and our confidence and our satisfaction to money and possessions. 
If I have money, then I'm safe from things like hunger, cold, trouble, and everything like this. And, and then uh, th- there's the question that comes after it. How much money will keep you safe? How much money do you need to be secure? It seems to me like the answer is always just a little bit more. And there's never contentment. Now, this is trouble and temptation for both the rich and the poor. Like Luther mentions, those that have money and those that have none. The poor are constantly meditating on the money that they don't have, wishing that they had more. And the rich are always meditating on the money that they do have, hoping that it'll stick around. That's why people with a lot of money watch the stock market like you watch a guy who you think is trying to pick your pocket. Now, Jesus tells us what the worship of money looks like. And it's one little word, worry. Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. You see, the idolatry of money results in the worship of worry. And this, Jesus says, is a sin. He, in fact, is very specific in the text, and he says, don't do it. Do not worry about your life. And he's going to attack this worry really in three waves in the text that follows, with three pictures, with the picture of the birds and the pictures of the lily and the picture of the kingdom. And with these pictures, Jesus is uh, exercising worry out of our hearts. So the first picture the picture of the birds and the futility of worry. Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? These are the questions that Jesus wants to know the answer from us. How much do you have to worry to add an hour to your life? Which of us, by worrying, has ever put a meal on the table? Have you ever worried enough to grow six inches taller? (laughs) Has worry, in fact, ever helped anything at all? Jesus wants to know from you. And as much as we're tempted to find security in the things of the world, who ever had enough money to avoid death? So Jesus makes the first point. Worry is fruitless. But then he's going to keep coming. His attack, his second wave of attack on our worry is with this next picture, the picture of the lilies and the recourse that we have to prayer. Jesus says, Why are you anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, Jesus, I think all through the Sermon on the Mount is, I mean, he's making jokes, and this is 
continual, a continuation of that. He's mocking the people that worry. That's how the Gentiles live, he says. But you're different. The Christian does not say, what will I eat or what will I drink? But rather, the Christian prays, give us this day our daily bread. In other, in other words, the alternative for the Christian to worry is prayer. Now, I, this is a particularly important point. These words of Jesus, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, are the same words that he uses to introduce the Lord's prayer, only a few paragraphs before this gospel reading. And this is the basis of Christian prayer, that your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need. In fact, he knows what you need better than you know what you need. So we use, as Christians, our worry as a gauge for the things that we need to pray for. In fact, in this way, we can understand our worry as a gift from God, that it it teaches us to pray. When worry hits us, and you know how this goes, you're going about your day, and then all of a sudden you remember something, and that kind of, uh, the worry kind of slaps you in the face. That this is a reminder to pray for that thing. And those constant things that are always gnawing away at us, that, that kind of mindfulness of a scary future, these are also the things that we pray for. Now, Paul teaches it this way. Do, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, Philippians 4, 6. So instead of being anxious, we pray. And Peter says the same thing. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So what do we do with our anxieties? Peter says, we cast them on the Lord because he he cares. What do we do with the things that we're anxious about? We pray, says St. Paul. Now, I think this is a good habit when we say our prayers in the morning or when we're in bed at night going to sleep and we're saying our prayers, that we ask ourselves this question, what am I worried about? And those things are the things that we pray for. Now, I heard a story uh, of two people And one of them was particularly worried about some of the things that were about to happen the next day. And their friend was listening to them, listening to all the things they were worried about. They heard all of their worries. And then they said to the person, let's pray. And they said a prayer about them, about all the things that the person was worried about the next day, all of the things that they were anxious were going to happen, all of the bad stuff that uh, that, 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 that they were afraid of. And something interesting happened after the prayer. The person who was worried still had all of these things that were coming to their mind, all of these things that they were before worried about that they had to face the next day. But now when those things came to their mind and tempted them to worry, they knew that those things were in the hands of God, that that God was going to take care of them, and they knew that worry was inappropriate. If I worry about it, they were thinking, then it means that I don't trust God to take care of it. Now, as it turns out, this person who was worried and then prayed was frustrated because they wanted to worry about the things, and now they couldn't because they had prayed. 
And I I may think that's maybe for a different sermon, how we become kind of addicted to worry, and we don't know any other way to think. But it gets to the point that Jesus is making here, that worry is the opposite of faith. Jesus says, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, alive, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So that faith... And the voice of faith, which is prayer, is the anti-worry. And this, I think, gets at the third thing that Jesus is saying. This third wave of attack that Jesus is carrying out this morning on our worry. And it's the picture of the kingdom and the forgiveness of sins. Jesus ends his sermon saying this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You see that all, all through this whole thing, Jesus is talking about your Father who is in heaven. And this, descript, this is more than a description of God. It's a promise. Do you see that because of the death of Jesus, God is your Father. And He is not mad at you or angry at you or full of wrath. That is spent on Jesus. Do you see, if we really want something to worry about, something that is worrisome, It's not what to eat or drink or wear. We shouldn't worry about living or dying. Really, the only thing we need to worry about is God and His anger over our sin. His condemning us to hell. His casting us away from His face. This, in fact, is the only thing fearful. But Jesus comes to you and He says, this is nothing to worry about at all. The righteousness of God His perfection, His holiness has been given to you as a pure gift, and you have it by faith. Your sins are forgiven. There's nothing to condemn. You are adopted into the family of God. You are loved by heaven. And your heavenly Father hears your prayers. He knows what you need better than you do, and He will provide for you in this life And in the life to come, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness means believe in Jesus. Rejoice in His love and His mercy and His kindness in this life. And know that He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will not spare anything else that we need. Jesus loves you. The Father in heaven loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you and has forgiven you and called you to be his own. And this casts out worry. Now, I suppose there's a danger in preaching about worry, and it's mostly this. Now, pastor, that you've been talking about worry, I'm worried that I worry so much. (laughs) Right? Listen. All of your worry all of your fear, all of your confidence in things that is not God and are not God, all of these things, all of this is washed away in the blood of Jesus. He is not worried about you. (laughs) He's got you. And He will take care of you. In this life, And in the next. Now that's his promise. 
and he cannot lie. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.